Let me open us up in prayer and um, and uh, we'll get started. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can discuss it. Thank you that you've revealed yourself through it, God. And I pray that we would not take it lightly, that uh, you are the God of the universe and you have spoken to us and uh, you soften our hearts to listen. So as we talk about scripture today, I pray that this would not just inform us, but cause us to be more in awe of you and what you do. And I pray that this would ultimately lead us to worship because that is what we were created for, God. So um, let even this time of Sunday school be a time of worship to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, I want to thank, uh, it was actually Joe, Joe and Eugene who, who uh, encouraged us to think about doing Sunday school again. And it's been um, 18 months, I, I think it's been uh, close to 18 months since we've had our last Sunday school lesson, Sunday school series. Um, and before that, I was telling Andrew and Fion that it's been probably two years since I've taught any type of Sunday school. So I'm grateful for this opportunity. And um, we're, what we're going to talk about is the, the uh, we're going to talk, talk about the truth and authority of Scripture. And um, it's going to be this class, we're going to talk about what inspir- the inspiration of Scripture is. Um, and then in the next two classes, we're going to talk about the scan of Scripture. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, S-C-A-N. The sufficiency, the clarity, the authority, and necessity of Scripture. So that's what we'll be talking about. And our goal for at the end of this time is that we would understand um, what God is doing through Scripture, why it's so important, and that we would have a gratitude uh, to God for giving us a Scripture. Because this is... Um, what God has left us with. Um, he's given us the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. And everything that we do as a church, want, we want it, want it to be founded on Scriptures. We want there to be, we want what we do to be honoring to God. And um, He gives us everything we need in the Scriptures. Uh, so, um, the, the roadmap for this class is, first we're going to talk about the foundational truths of Scripture. Why do we have Scripture? And then we'll talk about the inspiration of Scripture. So we'll split it maybe 50-50 at a time. And uh, we have on our, on our handouts, um, those who are listening online, uh, you guys can find this on our website. There's going to be a PDF of this. Um, we have, we have a, a bunch of Scripture, so we're going to go through it. Um, normally, I would have you guys read through Scripture with me, um, but for the sake of the recording, I'm going to read most of it. Um, and uh, so that's what we'll do. So uh, the first, the first is this: um, this this passage from Second Timothy. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and we're going to expound on this a bit more uh, in the second half of our class. But uh, this is where we get the the. Uh, title or the um, main idea for this class, um, what does it mean that God has breathed out? What does it mean that God has breath? Um, and when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, we're saying that God has breathed out His Word to us, and that what He breathed out is Scripture. And um, us being a PCA church, a Reformed church, we hold to the Westminster Confession, and the Westminster Confession has a section just on Scripture. And let me read this to you. This is from the first, uh, the first section of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Speaking of the Bible, the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men, and private spirits are to be examined and in whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking in the Scripture. So, pay attention or look at what's this uh, confession is saying it's saying that 
everything that happens in meetings and councils, all the opinions of authors who opine on the Bible, everyone who is going to have some type of systematic theology or biblical theology, um, in your own studies, in your own worship of God, it has to fall in line with the scriptures. You can't just make up your own idea of what God is saying. And this is the great temptation of everyone, whether you or not you are a believer, is whether or not you're going to listen to your own preferences and opinions, or whether or not you're going to submit to what God has said through His Word. So this is what the Confession of Faith is saying. And the last portion, it can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking in Scripture. So it's, it's not just saying what the Bible says, but saying... Um, what has the Holy Spirit spoken? So there is a supernatural element to what we, what we talk about when we talk about the Scriptures, when we think about the, the Bible. We're saying that God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the, triune, of the Trinity, has spoken in the Scriptures. So, um, so this is what we're talking about. And there's more. If you want to go deeper, you can just look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. But... Um, let me start off with this kind of illustration for you guys to think about. So imagine that you had, imagine that uh, someone you're really close to, um, they, they left a bunch of letters for you. Uh, it might be maybe a lover or maybe a parent or someone that you're really, you're really close to. And they had to go off for a long time to some trip or something. And you, you knew that you wouldn't see them for a long time. Um, but they said, I've left you, a, I've left you some, some um, notes, some letters, and this is someone who you respect, you value, you, you believe the things that they say. And if they, after you heard that, after you heard that they have given you a, a bunch of letters, um, would you want someone's opinion of your friends or your, let's just say this person, would you want um, someone's opinion on their letters? Would you want someone to, maybe uh, you guys have heard the uh, the telephone analogy. Would you ha want um, to hear what someone else heard about these letters? No, you would want the actual letters. You would want the very words of your of this person that you value so much. You would want you would want to see the actual letter. You would want to see like every word that they use. You would want to see the cadence of their of their writing and um, their prose and everything that they wanted to communicate. Um, is in that letter, and the and what God gives us is this. Um, he gives us the Bible. In His Bible, He gives us everything that He has. He wants us to know, um, every little small detail. And it's not just a relationship we have with a friend here. It's a relationship with the God of the universe, the God, the infinite, holy, righteous God of the universe has spoken to us, and if He has. Wouldn't we want the most accurate representation of what what he's spoken? Um, wouldn't we want him? Wouldn't we want exactly uh, the, the the words that he he gave us? Wouldn't we want that? Because what is on the line if not that? We're left to our own uh, devices, to our own smarts. We're left to others' opinions. Um, but we are eternal souls. We have uh, whether or we're, whether we're, we're we're going to heaven or hell. We are eternal souls, and what's on the line is this: our, 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 in many ways, our, our destiny; in many ways, our understanding of the reality of all, our understanding of all of reality, of our purpose and our Creator and our how we should relate to the world and to others. 
So this is why the inspiration of Scripture is so important, is, is this. Has God really spoken to us? Has He really given us everything that we need to live life well and faithfully? And I submit to you that the answer is yes, because He, he has given us a Scripture that really is His Word. It's not just a, an opinion of His Word. It's not just an expression of what God is like. It's His actual, his actual words. So, um, that's why the inspiration of Scripture matters. And I have a few um, attributes of Scripture right here in, in this list. And I'm going to go through them really quickly. Um, but it gives us a, a, a picture of how important and how rich the Bible is. So, the Scriptures are the very words of God. First Thessalonians. Uh, Luke 16, the scriptures are all we need to know God. Proverbs 6, the scriptures are the perfect guide for life. Psalm 12, the scriptures are pure. The scriptures are true. Psalm 119, uh, the scriptures are trustworthy. Proverbs 30, the scriptures are perfect. Psalm 19, the scripture is powerful. Hebrews 4, the scripture is for everyone throughout all of history in every corner of the world. Romans 16, Acts 17, the, the scriptures are the standard by which all teaching is to be tested. Um, this is also what we read just in the uh, Westminster Confession. And all of scripture is to be obeyed. That means that this book contains so much. It's beautiful. It's glorious. This has everything that we need to know to live life faithfully and well. This is why this is important. And before we talk about the, the nitty-gritty of the uh, inspiration of Scripture, I, we need to start with the foundation of everything that we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. Um, and it's this, that God actually speaks. So, here is an amazing truth that I hope we never get bored of. It's that God speaks to His creation God was under no obligation to speak to us. God was under no obligation to tell us what He's like or what reality is like. And we could have been left to our own guesswork. Um, I, you, there are uh, many people in the world um, throughout history who have just tried to... They, they've wondered, what is God like? They've looked at the stars, they've looked at creation, they've looked at their own lives, and they, they've wondered, where did I come from? What is my purpose in life? Where am I headed? What should I be doing with everything that I have? And they've, they've thought about it. Uh, maybe if I, through philosophy, or maybe through observing nature, or maybe through talking to other people, I can come to an understanding of all these things. Um, and if you go to the books, bookstore, if you go on Amazon, huge the self-help section or the religion and philosophy section so much has been written and so much has been pondered over, this, over the millennia about what these things are. But God has told us, those who believe in Him, that we don't need to guess, that we can really trust, we, that, that He really has spoken to His cre creatures. Um, and this is why the, the Bible is so valuable, is God is saying, dude, I am speaking to you. I have spoken to you. You don't need to guess about what I'm like. You don't need to guess about where you should be headed in life. I have spoken to you. And this is the, is the foundational truth for everything that we're going to study the next few weeks. So it starts in the very beginning. Genesis 1. The words, 
of God in creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's voice, God's words were the power with which he moves in the world. The very beginning of history, God said, let there be light. And then there is, are the words of God in cursing. Um, so you, if you guys have studied kind of biblical theology, you know that there is creation and then there is the cursing and then there is covenant. So there, here are the three C's we're going to talk about here in this point. Um, Genesis 3, do you guys remember? And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the fall, but um, mankind, all of the world is cursed because of the fall, because man was disobedient to God. And God cursed, if you remember in Genesis 3, he curses first the serpent by his words. He curses um, man and woman by his words. God speaks um, cursing upon creation. And then God says, I'm not going to leave it at that. Throughout the entire Bible, we have a history of God making a covenant with man. It begins in there, there's um, the, in, in Genesis 3, Genesis 3.15. I don't know if you guys have um, heard this word, the Proto-Evangelion. Our Evangelion, our Proto Evangelion, which is the very first um, hint of good news. It's when God tells a serpent, "I'm going to, I, I'm going to crush your, uh, I'm going to crush you." Um, uh, that that the the evil work of the serpent is not final. Um, that's the very first hint that God is going to make things right again. And uh, we have an example of this. One of many covenants in the Bible, Genesis uh, nine. It says. This Then God said to Noah and his sons, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. Um, God is speaking a covenant. So God is working through his word. And Genesis is the recording of, those, of these words. Um, and here is uh, where we really see the, the importance of God's word, the importance of believing God in his word. So here is the fall, uh, the questioning the word of God. So first off in Genesis 2, God has created everything and he tells man and woman, you can enjoy all of creation except one thing, which is this, Genesis 2. God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God is saying to Adam, this is, this is the stipulation. You can enjoy everything in the world except what is uh, on this tree. Now, what does the serpent do? The serpent questions the word of God. Genesis 3. Now the serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And this is where um, not only the serpent, but where we come in. Uh, have you guys ever wanted to do something that you kind of knew was not right? Um, or you wanted, you knew that there was a certain direction you should go, or something you should be doing um, with your time, or with whatever. Um, and so, either you or someone else has tried to convince you that that is not the case. And you, and they ask, did God really say that? Did God really say that you shouldn't do this, or that you should do that? Um, it all begins with questioning God. So here is, uh, here's the foundational truth that God speaks, but that it is our propensity and our tendency to question that God really did speak, that he really did say something. So that's foundational. Um, but as we see through the scriptures, um, God continues to speak. And here's my, my point for this, uh, or what I want to communicate in this point, is that the words of God are not just the words of God like I'm speaking now. When I, when I talk to you now, 
I'm speaking the words of Wade, and um, but I'm not going to call them that uh, these words are me. They, these words represent me. These words reflect who I am, but these words are not me. But this is not the, the case for God in the Bible. The Bible uh, gives us a picture of God's words, and these words are an extension of God Himself. And this is, uh, this is uh, a big part of it is just because God is not like man. You, you, we can't see His physical features. Um, we, we reflect the, we, we are the image of God, we're made in the image of God, but there are certain char- characteristics of God that um, make it so that He doesn't act like us. Um, God is on another plane, another plane of um, existence and understanding. So, um, how does God make Himself known? How does God work? It's through His Word. And God's speech is an extension of Himself. So, look at Psalm 29. I have a few verses from this psalm. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, the God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. This is God acting through His voice. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. When you see animals move, when you see other people animated, this is the word of the, the, the voice of God animating these things. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Listen to, uh, look at the, the how um, verse 8 is phrased here. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Do you see that um, there is a, a, uh, an, a kind of an equality to the voice of the Lord and the actions of the Lord? The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and all in his temple all cry glory. So, it's the voice of the Lord, the speech of the Lord, that is an extension of himself. And this famous passage from Isaiah 55, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here is God saying, the word that goes from my mouth is going to do something. There's going to be an action to my voice, to my words, and it's going to, nothing that I say is going to be in vain. It's all going to accomplish everything that God wants. So God is saying this, um, that his words, his speech are an extension of himself. This is who he is. Um, how do we know that God is trustworthy? He's said that this is so. Um, so I'm going to uh, say that right now. Are there any questions or comments? All right. That's, this is kind of foundational. And let me talk about uh, one of the ways in which God speaks. So uh, as I talk about, as I go through the second portion of our, our class, um, we'll be talking about the the details of the inspiration of Scripture. Um, one of the ways in which God speaks is He He speaks directly through people, and um, in uh, and that that uh, the logical end to that is that He speaks to us through His Word as well. But we have examples of God speaking directly in, through through uh, human beings. So here's this passage in Deuteronomy. This is um, God's speaking to to the Israelites, and He's saying that uh, that 
um, the prophets that I've given you, they have spoken my words, but let me tell you what a prophet does. A prophet speaks the very words of God. He's not just going to speak about the words of God, he's actually going to speak the words of God. So, here is this passage in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, um, for it is, it is to him that you shall listen, uh, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die and the Lord said to me they are right in what they have spoken I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and listen to these this uh, sentence I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him God is going to give the exact words that he wants his people to hear in the mouths of the prophets Verse 19, And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So God is saying that the words that my prophets speak are my actual words. God is speaking to his people. So that means that every single word that this prophet is speaking is the word of God. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Um, And then we see in Jeremiah... God, one of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament. What was Jeremiah's issue when God told him to speak? Um, Jeremiah said, God, I don't have the right words to speak. I don't, I'm not able to speak how I should on behalf of God. And this is a pretty um, terrifying thing to say that I'm speaking on behalf of God, that I'm speaking the words of God. And God says, this is not about you. It's not about your ability or your youth. Um, this is about what I want my people to hear. So he says um, to Jeremiah, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So here, when we, look, when we read the words of Jeremiah, we're reading the actual words of God because God is saying, I've given you the words to say. I've put my hand upon you. I've put words into your mouth to speak. And then uh, God doesn't speak just to through human beings. He speaks through asses. Uh, you remember this story in, in Numbers 22. Um, there's Balaam's ass, Balaam's donkey, and he and uh, God. God speaks through. This is um. Is it Shrek that has a talking donkey? It's kind of like that, right? Where um, you wouldn't expect an animal to talk. Have you guys ever maybe maybe uh, parrots? Uh, but they don't really know what they're saying, right? But God put his actual words into the mouths of a donkey, and the donkey started speaking. So God is speaking through uh, appointed prophets, and this is how we we can know that the words of God are, are his actual words, because he has given the actual words to prophets to speak. Um, so we see that uh, primarily in the Old Testament. Um, and any questions or comments before I move on to uh, how Jesus relates to this? Alright. Um, Jesus and the words of God. So we have this amazing passage in Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So here is the writer of Hebrews acknowledging what we just talked about, that God has spoken to us through his prophets, that he has, what he wanted his people to hear, they've heard through his appointed prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. 
if you guys remember uh, John 1, uh, if you guys have studied this before, what does it say about Jesus in the very beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the importance of God's speech. When God speaks what came out, the, the words of God, and in, in, um, in John 1, the, the Greek word for word is logos. This is, Jesus is the explanation of God. You can exegete Jesus, and what are you going to get? You're going to get God. Um, God has, Jesus is not just an expression of God. Jesus is God. And this is the importance of words, again, we see in the New Testament. And um, Jesus himself, he acknowledges uh, multiple... I have, there, there are a bunch of passages that I could have uh, given you guys. But let me give you a few from the Gospels. Um, this is... Uh, so Jesus has... It is the Word of God. Jesus has spoken the Word of God. Jesus has given the Word of God to his people to communicate to others. So we see this in John 17. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So here is Jesus praying. This is the high priestly prayer. Um, Jesus is praying to the, saying to the Father, Everything that you've spoken, uh, you want your people to know, I've spoken to uh, these people, um, and they've listened, they have received it, and because of that, they've come to know um, that I have really come from you, Father. John 17, and then in Matthew 10, Jesus, he tells his disciples um, that I get, that, that uh, they have a mission to carry out, and um, their, their job was to tell other people about Jesus, and listen to what uh, listen to the wording that Jesus uses. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than than for that town. Um, Jesus is saying, if people so, for those who are appointed to carry out the message, Jesus is saying, um, if they reject you, they're rejecting me because. He says, uh, he says here, listen, if they don't listen to your words, the words that the followers of Jesus speak are the words of Jesus, if they are really listening to him, if they are legitimate disciples of Jesus. The words that Jesus gives to his followers are the words of, of Jesus himself. And um, so th this was, uh, let me make a little side note. This is before the, the, what we call the canon, the, the Bible was closed. Um, so, um, at, at some point, uh, we got the complete final revelation from God. Um, but this was spoke, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before the canon was closed. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. Um, and then uh, Matthew 10.40 again, uh, related to what we just read. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever, whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So, um, for those who believe the message, they are receiving Jesus and in turn they are receiving God the Father. So here are, here's a little bit, this is just a, a few verses about Jesus and the words of God. So Jesus is the word of God, Jesus has spoken the words of God, and to his followers, they carry the very words of God. Um, any questions or comments before we move on to uh, the actual inspiration of scripture? Elaine, there's um, a sheet there, can you uh, hand out if you want, okay. Alright, so now, now we're going to get to the inspiration of Scripture. Let me see how we're doing on time. we got plenty of time. 
Um, okay. Uh, have you guys ever had a chance to study scripture um, or heard about what in- the inspiration of scripture is? You might. Okay, so uh, some of you might have, some of you may have not. So let me read to you this quote from a guy named Gary Brashear. He's a professor at a, at a seminary. I forget which. I think it's Western Seminary. Um, but here is, I, th- I think this is a good definition of what the inspiration of Scripture is. People who were providentially provided by God and motivated and superintended by the Holy Spirit spoke and wrote according to their own personalities and circumstances in such a way that their words are the very word of God. God's supernatural guidance of the writers and their situations enabled them to receive and communicate all God would have us know for his glory and our salvation. So this is a uh, a whole lot to unpack and we'll do that in the next few moments. Um, but we get this definition um, primarily through this passage in 2 Timothy. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want us to focus on this first line here. All scripture is breathed out by God. The word we get uh, breathed out, or this phrase, breathed out by God, it comes from this Greek word, theonupstos. Theonupstos. Um, it's, this is a compound of two words. Um, theo, um, or theo, this means God. And noustos means, comes from the Greek word pneuma, which means breath. Um, and here's where we make the connection with the Holy Spirit. Um, do you guys know where we get the word spirit from? It's from this Greek word pneuma. And think about your, your own breath. When you... Um, inhale. That's a. Uh, it's called. It's called. Uh, your, your. There's a breath going inside you. The the root word spire. When I breathe in, I'm being inspired. There's wind. There's breath going inside me. And when I exhale, I'm expiring. When I breathe out, and um, you may have heard the term uh, expire used in the context of dead bodies or uh, people that are, that are dying. When someone breathes their last breath, they are expiring. That means that their final breath is leaving them. So, this is where this is. Um, I'm kind of playing with the word right now. Not playing is not the right word. I'm um, I'm ex- explaining this phrase to you right now. God breathed. Um, the word um, is pneuma, pneuma, um, and this word that we're looking at is nustos. Um, it means that the breath of God has come out, and this breath, this nustos. Uh, the root word pneuma comes from the word spirit so by the Holy Spirit God has breathed out the scriptures and this is what everything hinges on right here Um, how do we know that the word of God is actually the word of God 2 Timothy 3 says God has breathed out by his spirit his words and not just for some words but for all of scripture Um, any questions or comments yes yeah. 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 That, that's a really good question. Uh, so uh, the question that Jenny asked, Jenny, um, the question that Jenny asked was, um, there are some books that um, 
that are not included in the Bible, but kind of in some traditions they say that they are like they, they are part of the Bible. So the Catholic Church, for example, they um, have something called the Apocrypha, which are additional books that they view as canon. Um, but if you've if you've read those books um, before the Apocrypha, they're they're kind of um, they don't. Uh, I, I haven't studied them too much, but uh, I have read them, and they they are a little bit. Um, they don't to me it doesn't seem like they fit in. Um, these are called the apocryphal books, and uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the coming weeks. But um, the, the church fathers they came together and they said that there are certain qualifications for the books that we have in the Bible. We have 66 books, and um, and uh, the, the qualifications are they have to have some um, apostolic, uh, meaning the apostles have recognized them. This is why they accepted by the church. Um, that th- there are certain qualifications for them. Um, so the question is, um, there are some books that we have that um, they don't belong there. Um, but there are some corners of the church, or maybe um, segments of people who call themselves a church, who say, um, God, th- these are God's words as well. Um, we don't take them as God's words. They're not authoritative for us. Um, so they don't hold any, any weight to what we do. Um, some people read them for inspiration, or there are some historical um, fact, like accounts in there that might play into our understanding of things. But we don't view them as authoritative. Um, and also, let me since I brought up the Catholic Church, um, there's a uh, uh, the Catholic Church recognizes the teachings of the Pope as authoritative, meaning that if the Pope has taught something, that's that's um, it's true. Um, we don't believe that as well. Um, and uh, this this kind of in evangelical um, uh, or maybe uh, for for those who are not Catholics but call themselves believers. Um, there's another version of this, which is this. Um, God told me something, and you should believe it, because God told me. Um, that's very dangerous if someone says that God told me something. Maybe they, maybe God left an impression on you, and um, maybe God... Yeah, I mean, like, God, God speaks to us through His Spirit. Um, it's not always verbally... Um, but if if we're telling someone that God has told us something, and we and uh, we have to be really careful with that, because um, you could lead someone down the wrong path. You might teach them false things. Um, everything that someone says has to align with the Bible. Um, otherwise, how do you how can you question someone who says God told me this? It's really dangerous. And um, you know we have uh, like the Book of Mormon um, was that um, God spoke to Joseph Smith, and he wrote these things down on a tablet. Um, subjectively, there was no one else there to uh, confirm that that actually happened. Um, so we need something standard. We need something, a foundational truth that um, we understand. That's a really good question. Thank you. Joe. Um, Revelation 20, this is the, so um, for those listening on the recording, uh, Joe brought up uh, Revelation 22, which says, um, anyone who adds to the words of God, is that the one? Yeah, so um, so we see, let me read that real quick. Um, so the, this is, these are the very last words of the Bible. I warn everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this, prophe- of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. So this is what Joe is referring to. Um, 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the, uh, the, the closing of the canon um, next week. But um, this is what Joe was referring to. You, you can't add to the Bible. And um, uh, it's closed. And th- there are um, several reasons why biblically. And um, just like in terms of church history, why that's the case. But uh, that, this is what Joe's referring to. So um, we don't want to add to the Bible. This is, this is I mean, if, uh, if someone were to say, like, uh, there, there's a uh, book called, that came out a few years ago called um, Jesus Calling. I don't know if you guys have heard that. It was really popular. Um, this was maybe like five years ago, six years ago. And um, there was a woman who said, Jesus came to her in these dreams. And, he, and, and uh, she should write these things down and share them with the world. And I've, re- I've, I've read the book. And it's actually quite inspiring if, if, you, uh, if you just take them as, like, these are impressions of, God, of what Jesus said. Um, but um, what she said, and this is my understanding of her, what, what she said, which is Jesus literally came to her in a dream and told her to write these things down because this is what the world needed to hear. Um, there's another, there's another um, thing that happened recently. There's a new Bible translation called the Passion Translation. And this is kind of popular in... Um, in uh, certain circles, like if you guys have heard of uh, Bethel Church, um, they, they have like um, their music is really popular. Um, they use the Passion Translation, and the Passion Translation came from a guy who said that God spoke to him, and he said, "Translate the Bible again, but this time with words that I gave you." And um, it's pretty awful. Um, it's really dangerous. But churches like Bethel Church, who are putting out songs that you hear on Caleb right now, are saying that. So it's really dangerous. Um, this is why we need to stick to um, the Bible. And if someone tells you God spoke to them, you have to question that. God will speak. God will um, impress upon you things. Um, this, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Um, but it has to align with Scripture, and it has to be. It can't be. It has to be affirmed by people around you in community. Thanks. All right, let me go on. Um, so this is what we mean when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture. Um, it should actually be the, um, the uh, expiration of Scripture. Um, that sound, expiration kind of has a negative um, connotation to it, but it means that God has breathed out His breath um, through the Holy Spirit, His words. So um, several elements that belong in, pro- in a proper definition of inspiration the divine elements, which is God the Holy Spirit superintended the writers, ensuring the accuracy of the writing. Number two, the human elements. Human authors wrote according to their individual styles and personalities. Number three, the result of the divine human authorship is the recording of God's truth without error. Um, number four, inspiration extends to the selection of words by the writers. And number five, inspiration relates to the original manuscripts. And I will... Um, let me ex- uh, explain this a bit. This... Uh, this kind of plays with the definition from Gary Brashear's that I gave earlier. Uh, let me talk about this. Uh, the first one, the divine element. So the Holy Spirit was with the was with everyone who wrote the Bible. So the Bible, it, it di- different genres. Um, there's history. There's poetry. There's um, there's narrative. There are, there's uh, prose. There is um, letters for, letters to churches that were written, um, and there were a bunch of different people that wrote the Bible. There were prophets. There were kings. There were um, there were wise men. There were pastors. There were um, uh, other 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 occupations that I can't remember right off the right off the uh, bat right now. But um, there were 
different people that wrote the Bible, and how do we know that what they wrote wasn't just something that they made up? It's that the Holy Spirit actually oversaw what they wrote, and um, we see their personality in the in the uh, writings. Um, and this this goes into our next point: the human element. The human authors wrote according to the individual styles and personalities. So when we say that God wrote the Bible through these um, through these authors. We're not saying that they suddenly lost all sense of themselves and they just became robots that just started writing with their hands. Um, actually, I, I, uh, there's um, my, m- one of my aunts. She's uh, really um, she's really into Buddhism, like a mystical type of Buddhism. And I remember one time I was at her house and she um, she held out a pen and um, she had a piece of paper and then she went into a trance. And she started writing the, the scribbles, um, and then she came out of this trance, and she interpreted it for for my, for my mom and uh, for the other people in the room. And um, uh, I I don't know, um, but uh, sometimes we think maybe God wrote through the human authors that way. Maybe they went into a trance and they just started writing what God wanted them to write. That's not how God did it. God used these human writers with all their unique personality traits and all their gifts. Um, in a way that their own personality comes across in the writings, and um, this is where the the, uh, the sovereignty of God is really neat and awesome. Which is, uh, let's say, for, let's take David. David wrote a bunch of the Psalms, right? Um, from the very beginning of David's life, God was shaping him, and he knew that he was going to become a shepherd, and then a king, and then an adulterer, and then a man after God's own heart again. Um, and God used every aspect of his life to shape him into the person he, he, he was going to become, and was becoming when he wrote the Bible, uh, wrote, wrote the, the words in the Bible. And, um, and God was using these unique characteristics of him and everyone else that wrote the Bible to to write these words that we see in the Bible. So, um, uh, an illustration that, that I heard that I think might be helpful is this. Let's say that there's a musician, and um, let's say that he, know, he, knows how to, he knows how to play a bunch of uh, wind instruments, like the trumpet, and the bassoon, and the, um, what, what else, the trombone, um, and the flutes. And it's the same musician blowing his breath into all these instruments, but these instruments all make different sounds. They, they hit different notes on the, on the uh, musical scale, and some are play lower octaves, some play higher octaves. There's a different tone to each of these instruments, but it's the same musician playing these instruments. And this is an illustration that we can look to as a, an example of what's happening here. Um, so, that's a human element, that God uses the unique gifts to communicate what we see in the Bible. Um, the result of div- divine human authorship is the recording of God's truth without error. So that means that if God really did work through these writers, that they really did write what God intended them to write um, without error. And uh, inspiration extends to the selection of words by the writers. So even the very words, um, they matter. Um, and uh, we'll look at a few passages in just a moment that, that point to that. And uh, finally, this inspiration relates to the original manuscripts. So... Um, there, there's a uh, huge, huge field of study for those who do stuff that I do. Um, it's called exegesis, and exegesis is the explanation of the text. So I spent a few years in seminary learning the original languages that the Bible were, was written in. So I learned, um, I learned Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and we spent. Uh, 
like entire class periods studying half of a word um, because we, we, need, we needed to know what the words, the definition of the word, we call it the lexical range. We needed to know the context in which this word was written. We needed to know the tense of the word. We needed to know, um, the, the, was, it, was it a plural? Was it singular? Was it feminine? Was it um, masculine? All these things. Um, and we did that because we believe that um, the very words that, that God chose to speak through the prophets that they were retained in the Bible. And if we don't have that, then we can be really subjective. We can just say, well, this, this word means this to me, so I'm going to run with that. Um, no, the, God, God has given us specific words through his Bible to study, to communicate what he wants us to know. Any questions before we finish? We're going to finish in about uh, four minutes. All right. So... Um, the phrase that we're going to use here is verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal plenary inspiration. So all scripture is breathed out by God. Um, and the Bible says exactly what God wants to say because the Holy Spirit was responsible for every word written in scripture. The Holy Spirit is the divine author behind the human authors. And we see this in Second Peter 1. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. There you go. It has to be, it has to come from something outside yourself. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this is the text that we see explaining this. Um, Jesus affirms that the very, the, even the smallest parts of the Bible, the, the very words and the w way that the words are written, that these were um, done on a divine level. Matthew 5, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. When Jesus says, when Jesus refers to the iota or the dot, he's saying the smallest elements of Scripture, even those matter. The iota or the dots, those matter. They will not pass away. And then um, in Galatians 3, um, Paul is writing. Do you remember there was a heresy going on? Um, these Judaizers saying that you had to follow the law in certain ways in order to be accepted by God. Galatians 3. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to the offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, singular, who is Christ. So Paul is saying, look at the scriptures and pay attention to exactly what it says. Pay attention to whether or not it's singular or whether or not it's plural. Because that makes a difference in how you interpret the scriptures. So Paul, the, the, uh, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he's saying, pay attention to the smallest parts of the letter, of the scriptures. So this is what verbal plenary inspiration is, that, that um, the words that we have in the Bible really did come from God through the Holy Spirit. They are trustworthy. You can base your life on them. And let me uh, conclude by reading this from Second Peter. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. 
There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and, and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. So, um, in Second Peter, it says this, that people will acknowledge the truth of the scriptures, and they will say that these are the words of God, but what they're going to do is they're going to twist them, and they're going to use it to say what they want to say. And unfortunately, this happens um, all the time. Um, y- if you listen to podcasts or listen to things on YouTube, you're going to hear people twisting scripture. And that's not to say that um, I or Pastor Michael or Pastor John aren't going to make mistakes. Um, we probably will and probably have made mistakes in the past. We've tried to be faithful to what the scriptures teach, and we've tried to use good resources and tools to help us understand what the word is teaching. But there are some people that are going to take the Bible and they're going to twist it into what they want it to say. Um, so this is why we have to study the scriptures. This is why we have to, like the Bereans, understand what's being taught. So, um, And we can do that because God has spoken to us, because God has given us His Holy Spirit not just to write the words write the words that we see, but also to help us understand. And when we talk about the clarity of Scripture, we're going to talk about that. Um, how can we trust that uh, we're actually hearing the words of God correctly? So that's it. Any questions or comments? All right. Cool. Thanks. Let me close in prayer. Um, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I pray that this would cause us to love, love you more. Your word is like honey to our lips, God. And I pray that we would eat it and that it would be sweet to us. Um, Use this to change us. In Jesus' name, amen.